Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel here. Marcus Parks is busy tethered to his desk like James Caan in the movie Misery. Uh, but instead of being hobbled with a big old club, he is hobbled with all of the work that we force him to do. So it's just me today. And if you hear another voice, that voice will be that of Travis Morningstar, who is also producing the show today. Thank you so much, Mr. Morningstar. Everything is under control. Totally under control. Nothing is out of control whatsoever in this room, in this studio, on this show, or in this country, Mr. Morningstar. Thank you very much. All right, we got a bunch of stuff to get to. We're going to talk about these Cohen tapes that were recently released regarding a payment to playmate Karen McDougal. Initially, of course, Donald Trump said he didn't know anything about it. I don't know it. Ask my lawyer. I have no idea. It turns out that might have been a lie. Can you believe it? Is it possible? President Donald Trump lied? Could it be? A bigger lie possibly could be that he knew about the Trump Tower meeting with, of course, his son, Danny Jr. Donald Trump Jr., of course, testified under oath that Mr. Donald Trump did not know about the Trump Tower meeting. So that is actually a crime. Who knows what would come of it if Donald Trump did know about the meeting, if it did turn out that he was able to uh, get some information on Hillary Clinton during the campaign from the Russians that's not going to bode well for him regarding the Mueller investigation. So we'll get into that a little bit. Also, uh, Senate Republicans, they are, you know, they are taking on the biggest issues in the country. Is it the opioid uh, epidemic? Is it the war in Syria? Is it what's happening right now regarding uh, poverty and what's happening on the border? No, they want to impeach Deputy General Rod Rosenstein. This is what they're spending their time on. He'll never be impeached. It's total nonsense. This is your Freedom Caucus people, the Jim Jordans of the world. Mark Meadows is another guy. He's a very conservative uh, GOP representative. They want to impeach Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein because, of course, he is the one who is overseeing the Mueller investigation, and they don't trust him. They think he's partisan. Again, another man appointed by a Republican, another Republican who is being thrown under the bus by Republicans. It's absolutely fascinating to see. And also, we are going to get to what happened with Facebook 
They lost. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, like, we'll never have a lot of money in our lives. Facebook was able to lose probably more than most nations' net worth entirely or some states' net net worth entirely. They managed to lose $120 billion in one day. That is incredible. Their stocks fell $120 billion bucks in one day. You talk about waking up with a hangover Friday morning. That has got to be a doozy. Mark Zuckerberg deserves every single one of those drops in his stock, by the way. Facebook is toxic. It's poisonous. Obviously, who knows what happened regarding Facebook and the 2016 election. A lot of disinformation out there. And I would like to see the same thing happen that happened to Facebook. Let's have it happen to Twitter. Why not? Jack is out there spreading lies and really ruining uh, a lot of human uh, relationships with that terrible, terrible platform. So if you get a chance, just give yourself a break. Unshackle from the madness. I'll tell you, it's really helped me out quite a bit. And realize that that's not real life. We got to stop looking at the world through the prism of a man who runs a company in San Francisco with a little bird called Twitter. It's not real life whatsoever. And we have to stop taking it all so seriously Get off of the dang thing because it's not an accurate description of uh, who we are as people. What do you think, Travis? You're aren't you heavy on Instagram? I love Instagram. Also owned by Mark Zuckerberg. Yes, that's right. But you know what you can do on Instagram? Make yourself look like a dog. And who doesn't (laughs) like that? Twitter also, by the way, getting into a little bit of trouble. Donald Trump is upset despite the fact. And when I talk about this, everyone's like, oh, what is he upset about? Everything. The conservatives are ridiculous. Donald Trump was elected, basically, in part because of Twitter. He also might be uh, potentially in a lot of trouble when it comes to the collusion investigation with Robert Mueller because of his tweets regarding James Comey and the like. Nonetheless, Twitter is uh, getting a little bit of blowback from your conservatives. They're very upset because apparently Twitter has been shadow banning prominent Republicans. This is according to prominent Republicans. Uh, Trump said this on Twitter, Twitter is shadow banning prominent Republicans. We will look into this discriminatory and illegal practice at once. So thank you for being the harbinger of justice and someone who is so on the forefront of criminal justice, Donald Trump. Do you know what he means by shadow banning? I don't really know what shadow banning. I think it means that you have a D your, your account still exists, but then some folks can't see it. Not even that. He, what he's talking about is in the search bar, uh, when you type, when you start to type in a sender's name, their name doesn't autofill fast enough. Well, get it to fill fast enough. They did. They just fixed it. Or yeah, right. Fixed it. But the, that's I'll shadow, tell you one thing. shadow banning sounds like sending one of these senators to another dimension. <laughs> and he, but he's talking yeah, about a bad idea uh, an auto search feature on Twitter. All right. I will say this, man. I was over there in San Francisco and... Uh, walked by the Twitter offices, and that's where I saw the man take the projectile dump. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I thought that that was pretty accurate. San Francisco, one of the strangest cities I have ever been to in my entire life. That was a million-dollar area. I Googled, uh, you know, what the housing value was on the street where the man took the dump. And, my God, are they paying quite a bit of money to potentially step in human dung. All right, well, let's get to the first thing that we're going to talk about today is this uh, cash payment to Karen McDougal. I'll tell you one thing. 
Michael Cohen, he is flipping. He is a gymnast at this time, and he's releasing a lot of these secret tapes. Although one of the interesting things regarding this secret tape is the Trump administration, um, you know, I, I do believe that they had to uh, agree and sort of uh, do away with the client attorney privilege here. So who knows, perhaps this came out and Donald Trump wasn't too upset about the tape coming out. Again, the Karen McDougal scandal is a consensual relationship. So if you're Donald Trump, that's good news. And uh, it is about, you know, something that we already know. Donald Trump, he had sex with a bunch of porn stars. And in some strange way, uh, that helped him in certain parts of this country where Certain men are like, that's the definition of masculinity when you're cheating on your wife with a porn star. But in reality, of course, the definition of masculinity is taking care of your family. So um, that doesn't really play as far as like, oh, I can't believe Donald Trump has has a, has a sex scandal. He's had so many sex scandals a week that goes by without one. That's stunning. The issue here is. Did Donald Trump lie about knowing about the payment? But of course he knew about the payments because you would assume that a client would know if his attorney was about to pay someone $150,000. And of course, Michael Cohen, very close with the Trump family. He worked for Donald Trump's father. And now, of course, he works for Donald Trump. And so the fact that he is giving up these tapes and it's all now the the it's official. He is flipping on Donald Trump. The flip is the flip is finished. He has landed on his feet and he is scoring a high number by liberal judges. However, who knows? Uh, the conservatives still say this is nothing. It's a witch hunt. And they will continue to say that until uh, finally everyone involved is either indicted or exonerated. But this is what was said on this recording. And Michael Cohen, I mean, you can see it. You can see the Mueller sharks circling the body here. You can see the blood in the water. They're also going up to the number one guy in charge of the finances for the Trump organization. So they are getting very, very close to Donald Trump. This is what we can make out from the tape. And it's extremely, uh, it's choppy. So of course, Donald Trump is using that as an opportunity to spread his narrative. It's amazing that we can all sort of hear the same thing. Uh, and Donald Trump will simply say that we did not hear that thing. It's a lot like that. Uh, what was it? Yanny and Nanny? Yanny and Ninny? Yanny versus Laurel? Yanny versus Laurel. We're kind of going through the Yanny versus Laurel thing here. No, I was done with that, like, blue dress, gold dress bullshit. I, I don't couldn't, think, yeah. Yeah, I was like... I couldn't get wrapped up in another one. No, I think we should all just agree it's a dress, and that's what's so important here. Let's really... We find what we disagree on, but we should all agree... It's a dress. So now we have a Yanny and Laurel situation happening with the Michael Cohen tapes. So this is according to the tape. So this is Michael Cohen. And you imagine he's sitting there in his office. He's probably sweating profusely, even though it's like 70, uh, 70 degrees or so. He's just a hot guy. He looks constantly warm. And by the way, he doesn't look old enough to have worked with the Trump family for so long. He's aging pretty well considering he's the lead lawyer for a crime syndicate. So Michael Cohen, he says, so I'm all over that. And I spoke to Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg about it when it comes to uh, for the financing, which will be. Uh, and then Trump says, wait a second, what financing? And then Cohen says, well, I'll have to pay him something. 
And then Trump, unintelligible, says pay with cash. And then Cohen says, no, 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 I got it. And then Trump says, check. So there you go. That's the the smoking gun. You know, so again, as as people sort of uh, freak out on both sides, this is not the the biggest uh, audio recording of all time, but it does potentially show that Donald Trump lied again about knowing of the payment to uh, Karen McDougal, just as he lied about knowing of the payment to Stormy Daniels. Of course, Karen McDougal got $150,000 in her payment, and Stormy Daniels got $130,000. So if I'm Stormy, give her that twenty k she earned it. By the way, brief side note, going back to last episode, we mentioned this briefly. Stormy Daniels was arrested at an Ohio adult entertainment establishment, and uh, that whole thing, was completely premeditated. Uh, the police officers for a couple of days before had said that this is what they want to do. The fix was in. She should not have been targeted. Leave Stormy alone. I'm so sick of it. I mean, uh, it was obviously a political hit job. Of course, Donald Trump and his crew are now coming out and trying to throw Michael Cohen under the bus. Rudy Giuliani, the the, the genius that is Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> Um, the man who so desperately wanted to work with the Trump campaign that he now took this job as his lead lawyer is attempting to say that Michael Cohen is crazy, untrustworthy, a liar. I believe he said a pathological liar. This is the man who, as of uh, two, three, four months ago, was the number one lawyer for Donald Trump. So what does that say about the people that Donald Trump surrounds himself with if he is such a pathological uh, liar. So, of course, they're doing uh, the classic Trump thing where you just sort of point out your flaws, you project them on your enemy, and pretend as if you're not the one who is, in fact, the pathological liar. So, uh, you know, you know for a fact both sides are going to try to enhance the recording as the best they can. And if they haven't already to figure out whether Trump said don't, but it just is not clear yet. So we have a situation now where the American people, this is, uh, you know, the uh, the test. Now, we call this test there. This is the, uh, what do you call that, Travis? What are you trying to say? The test there. You look at it and you can see anything you want. The Rorschach test. This is the Rorschach test. Rorschach. For the, Rorschach? Yeah. Who is he? He sounds like a linebacker. No, he's also in the the Watchmen. No, I know that, but he's not. Well, that guy's named after the no, test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and his face is all moving around. Right, right, right. right. Well, he's got a lot to think about, so. Yeah. Busy guy. This is the Rorschach test? Rorschach. Rorschach. Roar. Like that Katy Perry song. Yes. I like that. You're going to hear me Rorschach test here right now. Uh, everyone's going to be able to make out whatever they want. So now they're trying to figure out if Donald Trump says don't. It's very similar to when he met with Vladimir Putin and he says would, but then he's like, no, I meant to say wouldn't. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, my freaking God. Speak clearly then. We got Mr. Mumbles over here in the White House, and I guess that works for him because then he can theoretically say that uh, he said something completely different than what he actually said. Uh, the first thing is that Trump and Cohen are talking in a very vague terms about the entire thing, which is entirely true, as if they don't want people to say, as if they don't want to say people's names or describe the transaction out loud. That suggests perhaps the whole thing isn't on the up and up. And I believe that that is a very good possibility, given the fact uh, that the president was very big in the casino business. 
And of course, we know that's the most pure of all the businesses. Um, so who knows what's going to happen when it comes to this? It's just for further uh, evidence that Donald Trump lies to the American people on a regular basis. I do want to talk about this guy, Alan Wesselberg. Now, this is Trump's organ. This is the Trump Organization's finance chief, and now he may be questioned. Under oath, federal investigators in Manhattan have asked to interview Alan Wesselberg, again, the chief financial officer of the Trump Organization, as part of their investigation into President Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, according to two people familiar with the matter. It's not clear whether Mr. Wesselberg was issued a subpoena or was asked to answer questions voluntarily. Either way, the development suggests that federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York are scrutinizing at least some financial dealings of the Trump family business, a line that the president has publicly warned the special counsel in the Russia investigation to not cross. They might cross the, the red line of finances. And of course, who the heck knows what they're going to find? Uh, this is Donald Trump. He never released his tax forms. And uh, who knows? They're, these are the people, Michael Cohen and, uh, and Wesselberg. They know where the bodies are. And they are now, if you are Donald Trump, getting closer and closer uh, to the big fish. Of course, again. Let's not get too crazy here. Mueller's never going to indict Donald Trump. Donald Trump will probably skate on all of this stuff. But it is interesting to see what's going to happen with Cohen, what's going to happen with Wesselberg. And if it does come out that indeed Donald Trump knew about the Trump uh, Russia meeting at the Trump Tower with Donald Trump Jr., Donald Trump Jr. is going to be facing some serious, serious issues because it's not exactly good to lie under oath. Donald Trump is also right now going out on the campaign trail quite regularly, uh, touting his uh, tariffs and things like that. So we can kind of pivot uh, and talk a little bit about the economy here because you know me, Ben Kissel, economic expert. Uh, Well, you know what? I read a lot of economic experts and uh, I think that their information is quite valid. So we'll get into that. So that's basically uh, going back to the Michael Cohen tapes. That's basically it. Uh, That's all we really know. Uh, At this point, uh, there's a recording. Evidently, Michael Cohen has a lot more recordings to come. And apparently, the raid, they were able to find 4 million documents, which that is like, that's a lot of documents. Uh, Basically, I believe it's their entire work relationship. Everything that they uh, discussed throughout the years, it seems as if it's been seized by uh by the raid and of course that's not the special counsel robert Mueller did not do that that was a tip-off uh to the southern district of new york those are the individuals who raided uh, michael cohen's office so it's not it's very loosely tied to the russia investigation again as you all remember this from episodes ago uh robert Mueller tipped the uh, tipped off uh, New York and was like, hey, maybe you want to check this guy out. We've got a little bit of information we unearthed during the Russia investigation that isn't necessarily tied to the Russia investigation, but nonetheless, it looks like we have some shady stuff going on with Michael Cohen. So 4 million documents. Woo, my goodness. I'm sure they're going to be able to find some very, very intriguing things. Let's go to the economy real briefly here. Donald Trump The tariffs have yet to take hold, but we're already beginning to see some of the uh, ramifications of this horrible trade policy. 
One of those ramifications, and this is going to hit anyone who enjoys mixing a little rum with Coca-Cola, Coke drinkers are likely to see prices for their favorite drinks rise this year. Then, according to the CEO, James Quincy, he told the Wall Street Journal this week that his company is taking the unusual step of raising prices of Coke, Diet Coke, and the company's other favorites in the middle of the year in response to rising costs. Why are the uh, costs rising? Of course, that's the steel and aluminum tariffs. Of course, Donald Trump would kick back and say, yeah, we got 4% GDP growth. This is a campaign promise come true, and that is true. The GDP growth was 4%, and it might be 4% for the upcoming future. Perhaps by the time the midterms roll around, it's still hovering around that number. But be sure that that number is definitely going to go down, most likely to 25 to 3%. They have this um, term. They call it the tariff bump. So basically what happened was uh, soybean farmers, uh, steel manufacturers, they started trading at a higher rate. They really kicked up. They kicked it into another gear. They injected themselves with some steroids, and they were Lance Armstrong in the Tour de France. They were going fast as possible when it comes to getting rid of their goods before the tariffs took hold, because obviously when once the tariffs take hold, they are going to be completely screwed, despite the fact that now Donald Trump is offering farmers $12 billion in a handout, basically. This is not something that the farmers want. They want free trade, and it's so bizarre. This is classic Trump. Create a problem and then kind of solve the problem, brag about sort of solving the problem, and, of course, try to uh, let the American people or make the American people believe that you did not initially create the problem yourself. This is according to the head of Coca-Cola. He says, there was some broad-based push on input costs that have kind of come in and affected ours and many other industries as well. So Coca-Cola is going to go up in price, which might be good for the health of the country. That's possible. It's sort of a uh, Donald Trump sort of unintentionally putting what New York City has uh, uh, put in place, a soda tax, uh, which is kind of interesting. I think this might be uh, Trump's George Bush senior moment where he... uh where they ask him, Mr. President, do you know the price of Diet Coke? And he'll be like, $130 a bottle. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, of course, one of the great ironies is, as we all know, Donald Trump, not a drinker. I say, Donnie, have a beer. Relax a little bit. Take a little, just get off of Twitter, relax. Watch something other than Fox News every now and again. Just have a beverage. But he does not drink any alcohol. But he does drink I believe it's up to 9 to 12 Diet Cokes a day. I don't know how he doesn't have kidney stones uh, because that'll give it to you. So this is really, this might be the moment once the Coca-Cola prices go up. And, of course, Donald Trump, I don't think he particularly cares about money. But in theory, once he sees those prices go up, once it really hits home at the White House, perhaps he'll rethink his tariffs simply because Coca-Cola, I didn't realize, is so know. expensive. This is going to be his dark night of the soul is seeing yes. the, the price of Diet Coke increase. <laughs> it really could be, perhaps. And it should be because these tariffs, uh, there's nothing, first of all, there's nothing conservative about them. There's also nothing intelligent about them. Uh, this goes against many, many years of uh, Republican doctrine when it comes to free trade and uh, economic 
uh, prosperity for this country. We can't just isolate ourselves and live on a little island. It doesn't make any sense. And the rest of the world is simply going to uh, move on. Once they, if we, if they don't, if we don't want to be a part of it, they're just going to move on and get on out, uh, get on out of it. Okay, so this is according to going back to what we were talking about regarding the twelve billion dollars in aid, soybean farmers and soybean. I mean, this is a really massive industry. This is according to uh, veteran farmer Ron Heck. Love that name, Ron Heck. Great guy. He produces a hundred thousand bushels of soybeans a year on his family farm in central Iowa and central Iowa it, it, that's an exciting place if you ever want to see soybeans grow uh you you got to check that out um because that's 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 fun cuz uh there's soybeans Pre- like pre- likes president trump's big picture plans to negotiate a fair trade deal with china that would improve market access and lower export fees and he hopes the u.s tariffs on china will hasten that outcome but mr heck the farmer himself also fears that such a deal could ex- exact a crippling cost from farmers like him he has relied on china's sizable appetite for u.s soybeans it's the biggest importer of soybeans in the world but the 68 year old now said his crops are caught up in the ongoing trade dispute with beijing this is according to heck he said we're all upset we're all losing money he goes on to say we're raising a great crop and our biggest customer comes along and says we don't want to buy it the trump administration of course imposed tariffs on 50 billion dollars in chinese imports in mid-june china retaliated by targeting mr trump's political base in the midwest imposing its own tariffs on u.s goods including soybeans since then heck said the price of his soybeans have continued to drop the tariffs along with an extremely productive growing season this year have resulted in oversupply as well as uh, decreased demand so that is really the worst possible thing that you want when it comes to supply and demand to have an oversupply and less demand that's what you call getting screwed so heck continues on he just says they have gone down by two dollars a bushel it's a really really big deal and again this is trump country these are the people that donald trump uh, promised to help as i've said many times and now he is actively hurting them you know, with this trade war, which, by the way, despite what Trump says, they're not easy. Trade wars are very long. They're arduous. And again, Xi Jinping is there for life. Uh, so he really can wait us out. I also don't think he cares uh, that much about uh, perhaps a little bit of suffering of his own people. You know, first, Ronald Hell has to go through the trouble of legally changing his name to Ron Heck. And now this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he was a curse. Good for him. I like him. Hey guys, Ben Kissel here for Stamps.com. Is there anything better than getting what you want right when you want it? Like this show, listen at home, on the go, whenever is convenient for you. So why are you still hauling yourself to the post office to mail letters and packages when you can get postage on demand with Stamps.com? With Stamps.com, you can access all of the terrific services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, using your own computer and printer. Once you print, the mail carrier picks it up. Just click, print, mail, and you're done. Stamps.com has really helped us here at LPN. 
The less time we spend running back and forth at the post office means the more time we have to bring you the shows you love. If you've got letters or packages to ship, I recommend Stamps.com. Right now, use Top Hat for this special offer. Includes up to $55 of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Top Hat. That's Stamps.com. Enter Top Hat. So, on, of course, on a speech... Uh, that Donald Trump gave. Uh, it was he's he's constantly giving these speeches. This is what Donald Trump said. And by the way, again, this is it's just not true. It's just no economists think that this is true. Larry Kudlow, a man who I know, met many times who worked for Ronald Reagan. Uh, he ran a radio show out of uh, WABC where I was recording a podcast back in the day. And I actually talked to him about, you know, trade and all this kind of stuff. Oh, it must have been three or four years ago. And this guy was like more free market than you could ever imagine. And now he's working with the Trump administration and attempting to defend the tariffs. But no economists uh, believe that this is a good idea. And of course, if you want more evidence that tariffs don't work, go back to 2003 when W tried it. That did not last long whatsoever because they immediately realized that is an impossible hill to climb. This is according to Donald Trump uh, at a speech. He was giving this to steel workers. Now, these steel workers did get some of their jobs back, which is uh, that is good. Um, but nonetheless, the overall impact of these tariffs have not been felt yet. And as I've said before, this is all going to happen in the very near future. It's strange. Travis and I were talking before the show. It's strange to see the bubble blowing up right in front of our eyes. And it's just a matter of time uh, before it pops. Probably uh, Donald Trump might be out of office uh, when it pops. Who knows? But it's definitely going to happen because we're going down that road. So this is Donald Trump at the Steelworkers talking to the Steelworkers in Illinois. He says, I'm very proud to report we have reached a breakthrough agreement yesterday with the European Union, commonly referred to as Europe. <laughs> A.K.A. Europe. <laughs> yeah. To begin lowering trade barriers and establishing a trade relationship that is fair. My favorite word, reciprocal. Reciprocal. So that's his That's his favorite word. Oh, we know his favorite word now. <laughs> it's reciprocal, evidently. <laughs> Um, but it's not likely that the EU is going to be able to make up for the drop in Chinese imports. That's according to the USDA in 2016-2017. China imported some 93.5 million tons of soybeans before the trade feud. China purchased one-third of soybeans produced here in the United States. The EU, on the other hand, imported 15 million tons, roughly 5.3 million tons of soybeans from the U.S. last year. So maybe in this in this instance, uh, we want the Chinese and the U.S. to be getting along. And again, this is the National Farmers Union Senior Communications uh, VP, Rob LaRoe. He told CBS News, and uh, once again, these are conservative individuals. Um he told CBS News, the reality is that any deal with Europe for soybeans would make up but a sliver of the market loss happening in China, and it would not have the kind of positive impact on farm prices that the farm sector needs right now. If farmers are going to see any semblance of fair market prices for their goods, the president needs to be working with our trade partners on fair trade agreements, not against them. So that's where we are right now uh, regarding Donald Trump and uh, his tariffs on soybeans and, of course, on aluminum 
and steel. Coca-Cola prices are already going up. Uh, farmers are now uh, wary as hell and or or as heck, should I say, because uh, they don't even think this $12 billion bailout is going to be nearly enough to cover the costs and cover the losses of this uh, of these tariffs. And once again, I mean, these are people uh, that Donald Trump uh, was supposed to be defending while he was in the White House, and it turns out he is completely throwing them away in the trash uh, for some reason that we don't really know. Uh, I really have no idea what the thinking is when it comes to this, other than maybe he's just not a very good, intelligent person when it comes to economics. Is that possible? Maybe it is. Reciprocal. Oh, reciprocal. It's just my favorite word, reciprocal. Which, you know, that's, that's a, if that, honestly, no. Ben, do you have a favorite word? Reciprocal. <laughs> um, no, I don't know what my favorite word is. I like a lot, I like a lot of them. Uh, I don't like, they're like my children. Yeah. I refuse. I've I, always said that about you. You consider yeah. language to be uh, your ch- your children. Yeah, yeah. All, all the time, man. All the time. All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on now with Russia. Of course, we have to discuss this ad nauseum every week. Andrea Mitchell, uh, Andrea Mitchell, she was, of course, the uh, she was the host uh, of a show on MSNBC. Maybe she's still out there on that network. I'm not uh, quite sure. Uh, she's quite prominent, very successful. She was interviewing Dan Coats. Of course, Dan Coats is the one. He's in uh, a uh, in intelligence, the charge of, uh, in charge of intelligence, and uh, she was speaking with him at a panel there, and or just a one on one conversation. In front of a crowd and she broke the news to dan Coates, a man who really should not have news broken to him by a television anchor uh that donald trump was planning to meet with vladimir putin in washington dc this stunned dan Coates, of course and he said okay we'll see how that goes obviously we have the Mueller investigation still underway it would be very bizarre Uh, for Vladimir Putin to show up at the White House. The soccer ball, by the way, that he gave to Donald Trump, it was chipped, but evidently that was just Adidas. They're they're chipping their soccer balls now, which is very bizarre. Um, So who knows if the the Kremlin was able to hack into that thing. And uh, that either way, the ball should not be in the White House. And if Barron Trump is playing with it, Barron, don't talk to it because it's listening to you and it's going to come back to haunt you, whatever you say to that soccer ball. When you uh, begin a relationship with it, like Tom Hanks had the relationship with the volleyball in Castaway. Baron Trump does not play sports. That is a Minecraft child. He might be, uh, what's the name of that villain there? Glass? Mr. Glass? Yeah. I could see him more of, the, of that type. Samuel L. Jackson, Mr. Glass? Well, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson, but yeah, Baron Trump. Sh- very striking similarities between mm. um, Samuel L. Jackson's Well, I was character just thinking and... more sensitivity of bones. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, yeah. right, right. Bird bones. Yeah. Yeah, bird bones. Although, that is actually kind of funny. I think you can float because they're hollow. So, um, Ben, you can float now if you got into <laughs> to a pool. You could float. I can't. You can't. You could, you could float. If you're a corpse, you can't. No, no, yeah. You do the dead man float. You you lay down face face down in a pool. You can float. Your body can float. That's the first thing they teach you in a swimming class. The, how to float? Yeah, how to float. Well, they should teach you how to swim. Damn it. I, I was a swimmer since I was six, six years old. 
But that's the first lesson I was taught to to float, to pretend to be a bubble and think think. What kind of hippie swim? You, you flail your arms. They no, throw no, you no, in no. your flail. You, you you master floating first, and then you, <laughs> move, so on, then you move on to swimming. I don't mastery of the think of yourself as a bubble. And then today you we're can, gonna pretend to be a bloated corpse, and then you just <laughs> do that. Yeah, you can also do it on your back though. If you like breathe breathe deep and then lay on your back in the pool, you can float. All right. Okay. I'll I'll believe it. I'll believe it for now. Um, all right. So, of course, uh, that meeting now with Vladimir Putin coming to the White House, that has been postponed until next year or uh, until the Mueller investigation is wrapped up, which that seems to make a lot of sense because I think if Vladimir Putin comes to the White House, we should just arrest him. Can yeah. you do that? Can you just, like, arrest him at gunpoint? I think that might be a good idea. So Donald Trump is still reeling, of course, from his horrible performance, uh, you know, when when talking uh, with Vladimir Putin over there in Helsinki. And now, of course, uh, he is saying he invited him to the White House. Very bizarre. Donald Trump also put out a tweet saying that uh, the Russians, if anyone is uh, concerned about the Russian hacking, it should be the Republicans because the Russians want Democrats to win, not Donald Trump. But, of course, again, going back to that Helsinki meeting, uh, Vladimir Putin said when questioned, do you want or did you want Donald Trump to win? He just said yes. So that's like totally, again, this like 1984 doublespeak, like the truth is not the truth. Uh, lies are real. I mean, it's total madness. But what's happening in real life is very interesting. So why did Donald Trump say uh, that uh, no one's ever been harder on Russia than him? First of all, he is not the one who is hard on Russia. Congress is. When it comes to Ukraine, Congress did approve and Donald Trump did not veto it, but he also did it begrudgingly. Uh, they did approve 210 anti-tank missiles to help defend territory from Russia. They also gave them anywhere. These numbers are all over the place, but I'm going to say uh, they're probably it's probably close. It's probably close to like 150 million bucks, 200 million dollars to Ukraine. Uh, you know, to uh, to defend themselves against Russia and uh, aggression. That is significant. Uh, there, That's more than the Obama administration did. Obviously, under Obama, they allowed Putin to annex Crimea, which was a huge mistake. And of course, there was a lot of mistakes made under Obama that I think are uh, that are very unfortunate because now we have a president who, quite frankly, isn't equipped to deal with the world that he was given. And, of course, uh, Barack Obama is no longer president, and uh, we cannot be blaming people uh, in hindsight for current problems. So the U.S. is actually strong against Russia. If you look at the actual sanctions, of course, the sanctions are having real ramifications on the oligarchs in Russia. And senators just recently, as of I think it was like July 23rd, July 24th, they just proposed boosting sanctions on Russia, including debt. This is two leading U.S. senators. They said this, that they'll introduce a bipartisan bill to increase U.S. sanctions against Russia that would target Russian sovereign debt as well as the country's energy in financial sectors. Now, the the announcement came by Republican Senator Lindsey Graham and Democrat Bob Menendez. Bob Menendez, by the way, just recently exonerated off of a very interesting trial regarding uh, 
uh, economic fraud. I believe it was campaign finance fraud and a whole series of other things. And of course, Lindsey Graham. Uh, we all know Lindsey Graham. He was the one who had to destroy his cell phone in 2016 because Donald Trump gave out his cell phone number on national television. <laughs> so they said uh, after Donald Trump stood next to Russian President Vladimir Putin in Helsinki and questioned the validity validity of U.S. intelligence community's assessment of the Russia interference, they have decided to move forward with this bipartisan bill. And of course, this bipartisan bill is another sign that Trump hasn't been able to tamp down the fur, furor, furor, fury, furor, fury, furor, furor. Are you F U R O R? Yeah, I don't like the word furor though. Furor. Furor. Yeah, not it's mine, a furor. But it's very furor. <laughs> the bipartisan proposal is another sign that Trump hasn't been able to tamp down the furor raised after his news conference with Putin as it, as uh, and his invitation for the Russian leader to come to the White House, of course, in the fall, which has now once again been pushed back. This is a joint statement by Menendez and Graham. They say the United States must make it abundantly clear that we will defend our nation and not waver in our rejection of his effort to erode Western democracy. So this is obviously also on the heels of what happened with Mike Pompeo, of course, the Secretary of State. He was grilled by Congress. And, I mean, really, he was, like, totally smug. Uh, he didn't answer any questions. And some of those questions were very simple, such as, like, did you know what Donald Trump spoke to Vladimir Putin about for two hours in private? He says that he spoke with Donald Trump and Donald Trump told him what they talked about, but I highly doubt it. And it seems like the intelligence community, going back to what I was talking about with Andrew Mitchell, breaking the news to Dan Coats about this uh, Putin meeting in Washington, they are totally in the dark and have no idea what the hell is happening. And they are learning in real time with the American people, what Donald Trump is thinking, most likely via his ridiculous tweets. So that's where we are right now regarding that. There is uh, really bipartisan support for sanctions and for arming Ukraine uh, to defend themselves against Russia or against Russian aggression. And of course, Donald Trump, you know, he has allowed for those things to take place. But nonetheless, um, he has not been happy about it, and he's expressed that many, many times. And some of the people that are being affected by these sanctions, I mean, these are really big people in the, in the, in the Russian oligarchy. Uh, we have oil giants. Uh, they've been hit hard. Uh, there's also um, uh, an industrial ty uh, tycoon tied to Paul Manafort. Oleg is his first name. Oleg. If you can't trust an Oleg, what can you do? He laid the foundation of his empire in the aluminum wars of the 1990s, a vicious struggle for control of natural resources in which he emerged triumphant. So they're going after aluminum. They're going after oil. We got a gold magnet who has also taken a hit, an heir to a construction fortune who's also taken a hit, and uh, this guy Kirill who is said to be Putin's son-in-law, is also being affected uh, by these sanctions. And they are extensive and they are damaging uh, to the Russian economy and to the oligarchs. So despite all of this really soft, weak talk by Donald Trump, which is extremely important, extremely significant, messaging matters, specifically when it comes to politics, messaging is kind of paramount, even more than policy in some ways, specifically in the minds 
of the American people. The messaging coming out of uh, Donald Trump's uh, lips is of softness and weakness and of trusting uh, Vladimir Putin and uh, former KGB members over U.S. intelligence agencies. But then if you actually look at what Congress was able to do, the sanctions are strict. Uh, the arming of Ukraine is real. So there are some things that the U.S. government, uh, despite Donald Trump, uh, has done that does let Russia know, hey, you know, we understand what happened in 2016 and we don't particularly care for it to happen again. And if you continue to go down this path, we will pass further uh, legislation that will uh, strengthen sanctions and perhaps arm your adversaries even more. That is one good thing. I was thinking about this yesterday when it comes to uh, this, there's, you know what? I'm going to say this, ladies and gentlemen, and it's not a cliche. There's dysfunction in Washington. I know it's super stunning. But when it comes to government actually working, those bipartisan bills, when it comes to uh, the sanctions in Russia and arming of Ukraine, uh, that that is evidence that uh, the congressional branch of government is still a check on the executive branch, and they are doing their best um, in some ways, sometimes, very rarely, uh, to guide the country in a more reasonable direction and a more um, aggressive direction regarding us being attacked by a foreign adversary, and not just any foreign adversary, the one and only Russia. So I think that that is a good thing in some ways, despite the fact uh, that Donald Trump was... um, hemming and hawing over having to allow those sanctions uh, to take place. And speaking of Congress, just going back really quick here to the distraction story of the week uh, when it comes to the uh, impeachment of Rod Rosenstein. This is according to Attorney General Jeff Sessions and House Speaker Paul Ryan. Uh, They both defended Rosenstein after Meadows, of course he's a Republican out of North Carolina, and other GOP lawmakers who back President Donald Trump moved to oust the deputy AG. This is according to them. My deputy, Rod Rosenstein, is highly capable. This is according to Jeff Sessions, of course, a man who I really do loathe. And uh, the fact that he likes Rod Rosenstein does make me think like impeach him. <laughs> but that I would say that if the Freedom Caucus... Uh, was coming at this from a reasonable perspective. But, of course, they're just coming at it because they want to see the whole Mueller thing go away. And really, they're kind of obstructing justice in their own right. And, of course, this impeachment will never happen. They'll never get the votes. It doesn't matter. It's just symbolic. And it's really just wasting all of our money. But nonetheless, Jeff Sessions says this, My deputy, Rod Rosenstein, is highly capable. I have the highest confidence in him. Sessions said this during an appearance in Boston thumbing his nose at the 11 Republicans uh, who want this effort to go forward. He continues to say what I would like Congress to do is focus on some of the legal challenges that are out there. Ryan, uh, of course, this is uh, Paul Ryan out of Wisconsin on Capitol Hill. He said this, do I support impeachment of Rod Rosenstein? No, I do not. He goes on to say, I don't think that we should be cavalier with this process. I don't think this rises to the level of high crimes. 
and misdemeanors. So that'll go absolutely nowhere. It's just this small contingency of the Freedom Caucus uh, that will back Donald Trump no matter what. And they pretend to be libertarian. And as I've said many times, ain't nothing libertarian about this guy. Libertarians believe in free trade. Donald Trump does not. Libertarians believe in uh, cleaning up the criminal justice system. Donald Trump does not. Libertarians uh, do not believe that ICE should be out there detaining people who deliver pizzas. Uh, That individual that I'm referencing there is going to be allowed to stay in the country after a judge halted his deportation. I mean, they have gone so far out of the realm of freedom and liberty uh, that I can't imagine how anyone, other than maybe perhaps they find themselves to be sympathetic with certain very controversial views that aren't necessarily um, endorsed by a lot of people, and they say, well, I'm a libertarian, I'm a white nationalist libertarian. Well, you can't be. Uh, you got to let folks be as they are and, uh, and leave them alone. As just, Ben Kissel always says. Just to further highlight that this is like complete kabuki theater, uh, the last time that the House actually voted to impeach an executive branch official other than the president was 1876. 1876. Well, yeah. he, he So they're cracking this one out uh, yeah. hundreds, hundreds of years later. And uh, well, yeah, this is, this is um, totally real and mm-hmm. totally cool. Oh, totally real. Totally real. He wasn't wearing his wig right. So we got to impeach him. 1876. Cabinet Secretary William Belknap. Oh, he was... William... I remember William Belknap. Yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) What a guy. Uh, Thank you. That's a very interesting... Well, fast fact for you. We got a Travis Morningstar fast fact. (laughs) Factoid. Oh, my God. We have to... That's a segment. Yeah. All right. And I do want to go back and clarify. When it comes to us arming foreign nations, I'm not a huge proponent of it. When it comes to Ukraine... Uh, you know, they are really in dire straits. The Russians have all the power, and it just is one of those things. If we are going to be arming nations, at least let's arm nations that are trying to fight against one of the worst regimes uh, in the world right now, of course, that being the regime of Vladimir Putin. More on a humorous note, and we'll get out of here and let you enjoy (laughs) your weekend. Uh, Now, this is not good. I don't support vandalism, and I don't support violence. I this this is in the gray area. Let's say it's in the it's it, it's in the it's in the gray area. But a forty million dollar yacht. What you know? What actually? Now I don't even care. Forty million dollar yacht. Sell yeah. your. This is Betsy DeVos. Of course, uh, she is the Secretary of Education, and she. Oh man, Whew. I don't know if it's working out so well. Uh, a $40 million yacht owned by Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos was damaged when a vandal untied it from its stock in Ohio in a, at an Ohio marina and set it adrift. The captain of the 163-foot luxury vessel Sequest called police early Sunday to report he and his crew realized it had been released. Before the crew managed to get control of the yacht, it hit the dock, causing $5,000 to $10,000 in damages in the form of large scratches and scrapes. Oh, Betsy DeVos, you know we have we have students who are dying from lead poisoning in schools, but her forty million dollar yacht got a scratch and a scrape. You are, oh no! You don't often see like a literal visual metaphor. Uh, it's like <laughs> being you scratched my yacht. Yeah, go help the school system. By the way, there's going to be an interesting movement, and this is going to be announced. Uh, I cannot speak on it, but there is going to be something big uh, happening. Uh, when it comes to education uh, in the very, very near future. And this is a question for you all. Uh, what's what's going to end up happening, quite frankly, vocational education, which is something I'm for, 
it's going we're going to start having schools financed by corporations and then those corporations are going to be teaching students uh, how to get jobs in said corporations of course these corporations are absolutely vast and the amount of jobs that they, that, that that are needed in order to run a corporation are huge but that is an interesting situation. I do think uh, what we have right now is a situation where kids are learning a bunch of stuff that's not applicable to life. But then you also have to argue, are these corporations really going to be teaching people in the best interest uh, of the person? Or are they simply going to try to be creating cogs in the machine? Something has to be done. And I'm a big proponent of vocational education. But that's going to be one of the questions uh, coming up here in the near future. Don't you think and- it would be fun to go to uh, ExxonMobil Mc- High? No, the McDonald's University, which is real. They already have one. Yeah, yeah. But wouldn't that, yeah. Wouldn't that be... I mean, I was just thinking about this, like take a semester of, oh, yeah. of McDonald's University. It's like study I... for the big pickle exam. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's one in <laughs> Illinois, I'm pretty sure. You know, this reminds me of the Save by the Bell episode where the big oil company wanted to buy Bayside. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. And I then do. and then Zach was all on board, but then he he started thinking about the oil spills on the football field and Slater wouldn't be able to score his touchdowns. Um, and then he sprayed it all with a bunch of oil. And then Kelly got addicted to caffeine pills. Yeah, that was in a different episode, <laughs> oh, okay. but yeah. There's they all kind of blend together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's an interesting Mr. Belding was there. What oh, Mr. He's always there. Yeah. He's around. I've seen him a couple of times. Nice guy. <laughs> um, so that's one of the interesting things. I think uh, if done correctly, it's possible um, that if you want to be a person who goes into a, a trade school type situation or vocational education would work for you. Obviously, we also have to have, to have other options as well. Uh, that's what I always say. And of course, as I've always said, we need to start strengthening the teachers union even further because the erosion and I am, you know me, I'm not like Mr. In love with unions, but when it comes to public sector unions, we're talking teachers unions and that's what the federal government's starting to erode. It's the vast majority are teachers and they're the most maligned profession in this country and they need more respect and they need to be able to teach the students in creative ways, not just teaching them to the test. And I don't even know how these teachers are doing it right now because they get, they get uh, attacked by parents and uh, administrations and uh, by everybody. And uh, they're, they're, meanwhile, they're buying pencils uh, because they, uh, the school refuses to uh, finance those and chalk and things like that. So there it is. All right, everyone. I guess that's basically the biggest news of the week. I hope you enjoyed it. I love you very much. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at BenKissel1. Travis Morningstar, you want to plug your Twitter? Oh, man. Uh, the evil Twitter? Yeah, dude. It's gonna. The stock is going down. I'm at Ghost Garbage. Oh. I do, I do tweets. I do tweets still. Yeah. yeah, it's no big deal. I tweet sometimes. Yeah, dude, it's no, it's not a big deal. No, that's that's cool. Who do you think who's your most famous who or do you still have Twitter? I still have Twitter. I have it on my phone. I don't have the app anymore. Do, who's your most famous follower? Oh my god. Oh, my most famous follower. Maybe uh, uh you know what, man? I don't know. Maybe X-Pac. Uh, he's mm-hmm. kind of successful. There's that one guy who followed Ty Diggs. He follows everyone though, so that Tay, doesn't count. Ty Diggs. Tay Diggs. Yeah, he yeah. Just follows everyone, so that yeah. doesn't count there. Um let's see here. Maybe um Maybe, uh, hmm. 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 I, don't, I don't think I have any famous followers. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I don't think so. You know who my fam- my, my most famous who? follower is? It's you, Ben. 
Thank you, Travis. Ben Kissel follows me on Twitter. Oh, my God. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. The Last Podcast Network at gmail.com. Shoot me an email, and then I'll read it, and then I'll put that in my brain, and then I'll talk about it. All right. Hail yourselves, everyone. Talk to you soon. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.